0: All right. Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to the reversing diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 166. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. We're getting background on this. I always try not to do that, but it won't let me do that. So I apologize. I am doing this on a new platform. I'm doing this live through YouTube, which means if you've been a listener to the podcast, you may be aware that, you know, typically this podcast comes out Every Sunday or Monday morning, depending on when I get it posted and it comes out through the podcast players, that's still going to happen. Nothing is going to change there. If you're wanting this information early, though, this information is going out on YouTube through my channel. So subscribe, subscribe to my channel and you'll get this information earlier. This is podcast number or episode number 166. If you're new and you've never listened to the podcast, I'm your host, Dr. Lane Vaughn. I am a board certified family practice doctor and a certified life and weight coach. I help people who want to reverse their diabetes, learn how to eat in a way that aligns with their biology, reverse their diabetes, come off their meds and live live a naturally healthy life. This podcast is really the place where I promote strategies to live a naturally healthy life. So if that's something you're interested in, you are in the right place. That's what this podcast is dedicated to. If you're watching this on YouTube or if you found it on YouTube, recognize there are 165 other um, episodes to this podcast that you can go back and find on iTunes, on uh, Stitcher, on Google Play. um, It's also on iHeartRadio. So today we are going to talk about the microbiome, but before we get started, I do want to read an email that I got from a listener. Philip emailed me. His email says, hi, I just wanted to tell you how I'm doing. I went to the doctor yesterday for my three-month A1C. My A1C was down to 6.9 from 13.6 at my last reading. The doctor was very excited, and she said she just about called me at home. She said that, It was basically unheard of to do this. I feel like I could have done better, but it might be because I'm human. I will continue to eat healthy. I want to try to start exercising more. I wish I wasn't so lazy. Thanks again for doing your podcast. So I love hearing these stories. And the reason, if, if you're having these results, please email me. It floats my boat. It makes my day. It's the reason that I put this information out there. I want everybody to be fully aware that you do not have to be sick with chronic diseases, most chronic diseases. Yes, there are some things that are going to be real type two diabetes. It's not that it's not real. It's just a normal biologic response to the food that you're eating and learning how to eat in a different way is the way you fix it. And it's the best news ever because you totally have agency over this. And the Western medical community is not going to tell you this that's my job. That's what I'm put on the earth to do is to tell you this. So when I hear from people, I felt that they are making these changes just from listening to the podcast, just from hearing the information that I'm putting out in the podcast. This really makes my day. Philip, if you're listening, I want you to know a couple of things. One, this dropped to 6.9. You are just collecting better biology. You have dropped your A1C almost 50%. And over the next three months, you're going to continue to collect better biology. And that is going to be reflected in that A1C, even if you don't do anything different. So do not fret over this. There's no need to do better. You're doing great. You are doing wonderfully. Yes, you're human. And part of being human is that you have to allow your human body to run through the biology that it has to run through in order to collect all of those normal readings so that all of your biomarkers get normalized. Nothing is wrong. You're doing this perfectly. I actually matched this gentleman up with a member of the Facebook community. So there is a reversing diabetes with the LMD Facebook community. Go find it. Um, I think you have to ask for approval to get in. I'll let you in or whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, I do go live there, but I realized that this gentleman is in there. So I was happy to put a face with that name, but recognize Phil that you're not doing anything wrong. This is just part of the human body. This is just how our body works. You're doing everything just as it needs to be done. Everything is going great. And I don't know that there's any benefit in letting yourself believe that you're lazy. You've done big work here. You've done work that doctors don't believe are even possible. I suggest you give yourself a big high five. Don't strain yourself, patting yourself on the back, but maybe do pat yourself on the back. You've done wonderful work here. I also want to, before we jump into the microbiome, which I'm really excited about this um, podcast because I've been researching and looking into it for quite some time now. But before we jump into that, I want to mention I've been getting a lot of emails requesting the five-day free session that I do. So I do a free five-day session. It is for women. I'm going to come to you gentlemen here in just a minute. women have been asking me when we're going to do this session again, it will be October 17th to through the 21st recognize the end of the year is coming. New year's is coming. If on your 2022 new year's resolution, fixing your type two diabetes is on that list. The rubber is about to meet the road. It is go time. Ladies. You have at the end of October, you're going to have about 10 weeks to get this done. You can fix your type two diabetes in 10 weeks. If you really put your nose to the grindstone with it. Right? So, that is what we're going to be doing that week. There is time to fix this, figure out this week if this strategy that I use is helpful to you. And if it is, there's is time to sign up with my program and get this fixed before the end of the year. You could start 2023 diabetes free, best news ever. So that will be again, October 17th through the 21st. You can email me at Delane at DelaneMD dot com, or you can wait on my website, DelaneMD.com. There will be a link to sign up for that, a registration that's real simple. You just register, you give your email, it sends me a message that you registered and I put you on the email list for the weeks coming up to it. I typically send out an email every week, letting you know that you're on the list, some stuff to look at before you start with the program. Um, But we'll You'll be getting emails from me. If for some reason you think you're registered and you've not gotten an email in a couple of weeks from me, make sure you uh, send me a message, let me know. I'll make sure you get on that email list. So, I am looking at doing a webinar for men only. I know that a lot of times I work with women primarily, and my group is for women, and I am considering adding a group for men because I get so many emails from men, so many emails from gentlemen who are finding help from this work finding help from understanding that there's a way to fix diabetes without meds. Um, I want to have the opportunity to provide any coaching that you gentlemen have been needing from listening to the podcast, questions answered, coaching that you need, any of that that happens. So I am looking at doing a webinar sometime in the next six weeks. It will be a 60 to 90 minute webinar. Again, it will be on the website. You can sign up for it. Um, if that's something you're interested in, make sure you keep your eye out for that. Listen to the podcast. You know that I will be announcing all these things on the podcast. If you have any questions, don't ever hesitate to email me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook and now follow my YouTube channel. All of this information about these webinars, about that free five-day session will be announced in those spaces. So DelaneMD on Facebook, Delaine MD on Instagram, Delaine MD on YouTube. Lastly, I'm really kind of digging this new format. I am going to uh, kind of set some ground rules—not for you, but basically for your expectations of me. I love this new format. I feel like I get to connect with people more directly than just doing the podcast and having people listen to the podcast. Doing it in this live, real time. If you still use the podcast listener, like players, that that's fine. You're going to get this no matter. The thing that will be different is it's not being edited. So you get all my flubs and my mistakes. That should be entertaining for everybody. Um, You may hear me be, okay, re-record or, okay, let's take a rerun at that because I'm no longer able to edit it out and I want to make sure that you're getting the correct information. So if in my brain I put it together that I've mixed something up, I may correct myself live in real time and you'll hear that on the podcast it will no longer be edited out if I say anything and you are know, like that doesn't make sense that I think she misspoke there send me a message email me delane at delane find me on facebook at DelaneMD, send me a message find me on instagram send me a message I'm happy to answer any questions I'm happy to answer any um misunderstandings I'm happy to correct myself where I need to um But recognize you can still get this clearly on the players. That's not going away. So um, by the players, I mean iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, they're all going to be there. It's just they're not going to be edited, 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 edited. That would be something that I would typically edit out. How fun is that? Um, They're not going to be edited and they will be available to you before they go up on those YouTube players or on those... um, podcast players. So um, I'm not going to say that I'm going to do it every Wednesday evening at 630 or whatever. I'm just telling you that they will be done throughout the week. I will try to go live in the Facebook communities and let you know that they're going up. I will also try to start doing that on Instagram also if you want to listen to these lives. So let's talk about the microbiome. This is cool stuff. Many of you, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw, I guess it was back in the spring, where Science Magazine, so um, Science is a uh, journal, a literature journal that puts out all sorts of information, and it covers everything from biology. It is a nerd dream. <laughs> it covers everything from biology to physics to politics and the science behind it. It, it is constantly reviewing literature and, you know, publishing literature um, and talking about kind of what's the latest cutting edge in science. So they put out an entire issue on the microbiome in the spring. And I have been very interested in the microbiome for a year or so now because of the amount of kind of mounting literature that's happening, telling us that the microbiome is really this incredibly important thing that we really probably need to be paying very close attention to. Um, And it's got really fingers in every part of our health. So um, I read through that issue, which was, again, there are multiple different articles in that issue relating to um, the microbiome. I read through that. I've listened to a number of, um, kind of experts in the microbiome. I've read a number of different articles that were referenced in the literature references from that issue of science. I've been really digging into this, which is why I promised in the spring that I would be doing this podcast. And here we are now. It's you know almost October and I'm finally getting this podcast out. So the reason for that is there really is a lot of emerging evidence about the microbiome and what that means. And I'm going to describe today, I'm going to explain what the microbiome is, what it does or what we believe it does, how it's related to disease or the evidence, at least that we currently have to how it's related to diseases, not just type two diabetes, although it is related to type two diabetes, but all sorts of other diseases. And then what do we do with this information in order to improve your health? We're going to talk about all these things. So what is the microbiome? The microbiome is the collection of bacteria that live on the human bodies on our human bodies. Right. So there's like, I'm sure there's fish microbiome (laughs) and I'm sure there's squirrel microbiome. But when I refer to the microbiome, I am talking about the human microbiome. Okay. Human beings, you and me and society, when we think of bacteria, we think of pathogenic bacteria. We think of the kind of bacteria that cause disease in the human being. And it's not that those aren't real, they do exist, but recognize non-disease causing bacteria are way more prevalent. There's way more of them in our environment than there is of the disease causing bacteria. So when I say pathogenic, what does pathogenic mean? That's a Greek word, pathos means disease or suffering. Gen means creator or to create, to generate, right? So it's disease generator, it's a creator of disease. So a pathogenic bacteria is a bacteria that is creating disease. And then you have non-pathogenic bacteria, which are the opposite. They don't create disease, right? They mean they are not creating suffering or disease. There are both on the human body. There are both in our environment as humans we're most familiar with the bacteria the pathogenic bacteria that are causing disease so recognize bacteria live on our bodies everywhere on our bodies and they do this in what we call a symbiotic way symbiosis again that's a greek as if we're all greek speaking greek um it's a greek word that is it means live together essentially these symbiotic, this microbiome, these bacteria that live on us, they basically, we are living together. We live with them and they live with us. We help them, they help us. We have a relationship with them. One that I would offer, if that relationship isn't there, the quality of our health is definitely deteriorated because that relationship isn't there. So there is a um, researcher, a Dr. Turnbaugh, and he's done a lot of research on bacteria on the microbiome, and he describes the human body itself serves as a scaffold for a multitude of bacteria, archaea, vir- viruses, and eukaryotic microbes that inhabit discrete am- anatomical niches and outnumber our own somatic and germ cells. So our own human cells by an order of magnitude. When I looked up what this order of magnitude was, the human body has an estimate of somewhere around 37 trillion cells. And there, the human body, there are about a hundred trillion microbes that live on or within us. So we are far outnumbered by the microbes that we walk around with. So it gets, I mean, like this microbiome, this community of microbes that live on our body are pretty substantial. They live on all sorts of areas of our body. Specifically, they, they seem to set up shop, these niches, these communities where the inside of us meets the outside of us. So on our skin, in our mouth, in our nasal passage, in our gut, right? Remember, and I've done a podcast on this where I talk about this, everything between our mouth and our bottom, that tube is actually external to the human being. It is not an internal thing. It's an external thing. And that tube is lined with microbes. Again, that interface between the inside and the outside of us. Our urogenital tract is laced or is, is lined again with this very robust community of microbes that are meant to help navigate that internal from that out, that external interface, okay? So these communities of bacteria are in certain area, right? And they're called niches. The diversity is the types, the different bacteria. So if you think of candy, this is a horrible (laughs) example in a diabetes podcast, but bear with me. If you think of candy, that's kind of the term that you could, you could say candy is equivalent to bacteria, right? But there's all sorts of different kinds of candy, everything from chocolate candies to gummy candies, to gumdrop candies, to butterscotch candies, to, I mean, there's all sorts of Twizzlers, right? There's all sorts of candies. Bacteria is similar. Bacteria is this overarching term and there are so many different types, right? The diversity of those communities, how many different types of bacteria seem to be directly related to how healthy the community is, okay? Dysbiosis is the term that's used when there's an alteration in the diversity of these bacterial communities. Typically that alteration is a loss of diversity. And again, that's dysbiosis and you'll hear people talk about that. So what do these microbiomes, what do these communities do? So one of the major roles that we used to believe that was the the major role, and we're realizing there's so much more that goes on here, is they offered protection. So they protected these surfaces, these interfaces between the outside and the inside of us. They protected them. The gut microbiome is a great example. It overlays the gut cells. Those are called enterocytes. It overlays them and it protects them from all the things that pass through the gut. Okay. So when we ingest our food, our food is not sterilized. There's bacteria, there's viruses on them. That's probably a natural thing. Although I don't know that the type of bacteria and viruses that are on our food are what was on them 10,000 years ago. Either way, there are bacteria, there are viruses, there are funguses on these foods. In addition to that, of course, there are things that we put into our foods that are non-food substances. These are emulsifiers. I'm not sure what my dogs are so excited about. I apologize. These are things like emulsifiers. So emulsifiers are things that we add to our food to make um, the way they feel on our tongue something we enjoy. Like we like the smooth feeling, the lightness. I don't know. They Depending on the food, they add different emulsifiers to create these... um, textures on our tongue. So emulsifiers are a great example of food, of things that enter our mouth and go through that external tube that really our enterocytes are not meant to be exposed to. So the cells aren't meant to be exposed to that layer of bacteria between protects those cells from that. Recognize that gut lining is a single celled system. So I mean, there's thicker cells, but when we get down to the really, um, to the small intestine where the majority of absorption of our food happens, that is a somewhere between 30 and 35 feet of single celled organ in order to be able to absorb our nutrients across one cell, not many cells, right? That's the whole point of that. That single cell component, because it's a single celled Organ It is very delicate. That layer is very, very delicate and can be damaged very easily. This microbiome protects them, okay? So emulsifiers, um, coloring, preservatives, um, pesticides, right? And if you think about it, pesticides are meant to kill bugs. (laughs) They're meant to kill things. So certainly one, they're going to kill our enterocytes. That makes a lot of sense. Two, they're going to kill off that microbiome. Okay. It's literally the job of pesticides is to kill side, side homicidal, suicidal, kill pests, bugs. Right. But recognize they are not roundups, not brilliant. Like it's not out there solving world (laughs) hunger. Like it's not a big thinker. It just kills the things. That's what it does. Okay. So um, those That microbiome layer in our gut is meant to protect us, our enterocytes, from a lot of these non food additives that are passing through the gut. Same thing on our mouth, right? They um, protect our teeth from the sugars. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, We know that in the vaginal canal, there's a protection. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. In addition to this protective component, the bacteria also eat the food that we eat and then produce molecules or metabolites or chemicals that do all sorts of things. They work locally, but in addition, they get absorbed into our bloodstream and they can go to other parts of our bodies and act as messengers. So... That is an important thing. And I'm gonna talk about that when we talk a little bit about how diseases develop with these. They also, these bacteria also help us break down foods that we otherwise would not be able to break down. So um, some of this looks like digestion. So again, in the oral cavity, Normal microbiome in the oral cavity is associated with breaking down certain carbohydrates to avoid those setting on our teeth and causing decay on our teeth. While other bacteria, this is really interesting, this is fascinating to read about, other bacteria in our oral cavity actually act to anchor or fix, like architecturally fix these carbohydrate metabolizing bacteria to our teeth. So it's almost like um, they described it in the literature as a um, division of labor. There's almost this division of labor in order for each bacterial species to do their job in the most effective way. It's crazy, science is so cool. So um, sometimes the bacteria are helping to break down the nutrients from something that's toxic to less toxic or so that we can absorb them as nutrient for ourselves. Um, the bacteria in our gut eat the food that we eat, like what we feed them. And if we're feeding them pesticides, that's a problem, but what we eat, they eat a certain portion of it. And some foods, like I've heard an example of almonds. This is the example that stands out in my brain that up to something like 30% of the calories that we consume with almonds are actually consumed by the bacteria in our gut, not by our cells. They are not absorbed. So we're only getting 70% of those calories absorbed as energy for our cells. And the other 30% are going to the bacteria that live in our gut. So the bacteria, at least as far as we can see, and again, this is still very emerging information, but these are the things that are being described right now in the literature that are... Bacteria, our microbiome are doing. So, let's talk about how they're related to disease because this was fascinating to me, scary to me, but really the whole point of why we want to know about this is because if we can figure out how to take care of our microbiome better, there are many, many diseases that are related to dysbiosis and poorly cared for microbiome that we can help limit our risks of. So When we think of the microbiome and the diseases related to the microbiome, much of this is related to this dysbiosis. Remember the alteration of the bacteria and the variety of bacteria present in these communities, these bacterial communities. So I'm going to give a very specific example of a study I've quoted many times, and this study has been repeated many times in different ways. But the my understanding of the base study of the original study was they took three populations of mice. They took a healthy population of mice. They took a obese population of mice. And then the third population of mice that they took was a diabetic population of mice. They held all of the mice's, um, all of the mice, the mice um, diets, the same. They never changed any of the mouse diets. They took the microbiome from the gut of the obese mice and they inoculated, they put that microbiome into the gut of the healthy mouse population. Holding the diet the same, the only thing that was changed was the microbiome in the gut, they created obese mice in that healthy mouse population. They repeated the study with a diabetic mouse population taking the gut microbiome from the diabetic mice and inoculating the healthy mice with the gut microbiome. So the bacteria from the gut of the diabetic mouse, they held the diets the same and they created diabetes in the otherwise healthy mouse population just from changing that gut microbiome. So this is the power I want you to hear. This is the power of the microbiome in our gut and on our body, okay? Specifically, this is where... This is impacting diabetes. So we know that there is a strong impact that the health of our gut microbiome specifically, but I would offer that we're getting evidence about the oral cavity microbiome. I wouldn't be surprised what else comes up, but there is definitely a link between the health of your gut microbiome and your ability to manage your metabolism i.e. your glucose regulation, i.e. your type 2 diabetes. There's a very clear connection there. It's been repeatedly shown in multiple different studies. So other disease associations, again, there's disease associations, and then there are causative things, right? Like we've finally come to the conclusion that cigarette smoking causes lung cancer, right? There was a long time they were like, it's just associated, and it's fine. I mean, like science has to do science's job and really nail down how this happens, but we are getting more and more clear mechanisms of how this is happening each and every day. There's studies being released showing mechanisms of how this gut or this microbiome, I wouldn't even say gut, I would say microbiome dysbiosis is creating disease in our body. So other diseases that are associated um, are sometimes related to the metabolic molecules. So these metabolites or these neurotransmitters that are produced by the microbes on our body or that aren't being produced because we've killed off those microbes in our gut or on our body. In 2011, there was a study that showed a link between the gut microbes like the type of, like, remember this variety, like candy, whether we have Twizzlers, chocolate, M&Ms, you know, what do we have, you know, or whether we just have one type of candy, right? So this study showed that there was a link between the breakdown of different microbes in our gut and heart disease, specifically There is a microbe that metabolizes certain dietary molecules, specifically in the study, it was a phosphatidylcholine molecule. That molecule is eaten. It's in all sorts of foods, fatty foods usually, and it is metabolized by these microbes, these bacteria, and it creates a metabolite. It's called trimethylamine N-oxide, if you want to know the name. And that metabolite is a known predictor of cardiovascular and atherosclerotic disease. So they showed that link where we know the microbe that is producing something that is a known predictor of heart disease, okay? Another study in 2019 um, reported that microbial-derived molecules, so neurotransmitters, sometimes it's short-chain fatty acids, so... We feed our gut certain things, and then this metabolic byproduct are these short-chain fatty acids. Sometimes it's bile acids, lactate, vitamins. They can act locally in the gut, but they can also travel in the circulation, and they act at remote sites, like our brain. Specifically, um, we are starting to see microbes be implicated in neurologic diseases, such as ALS and autism. Specifically for ALS, it's the loss of a microbial metabolites. So the microbe eats something and makes a metabolite. The certain microbe eats a certain thing and makes a certain metabolite. And that metabolite goes to the brain and is protective for a neurodegenerative disease like ALS. And then we're also seeing in autism that there are certain microbes that used to not be present and are now present. And they are creating metabolites that go and cause their pathogenic metabolites that go and cause um, the findings that we have with autism. So there are, they're starting to link these metabolites that are made by the bacteria in our gut with all of these certain diseases. And they're starting to get pretty clear mechanisms on this. Uh, five different studies, um, showed for the vaginal microbiota for the, you know, bacteria that live in the vagina, the vaginal canal, they appear to play, this is crazy, five different five different studies showed this play a significant role in pre- preventing things like bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. I knew that. That wasn't surprising. But also listed there, so bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, sexually transmitted infections. I was like, hmm, like gonorrhea and chlamydia? That's interesting. Urinary tract infections. I was like, okay, I can see urinary tract infections. But the kind of like end trophy of this, The microbiota appears to play a significant role in preventing HIV infections. That's what these studies showed. That's the power of the microbiome in our body, of the bacteria that live with us, the symbiotic relationship. So um, oral microbial dysbiosis. So again, like this dysfunction or this um, loss of variety in the oral cavity, in um, in the bacteria that live in the oral cavity, are associated with rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, with IBD, with colorectal cancer and with pancreatic cancer. Both colorectal cancer and rheumatic, or I'm sorry, rheumatoid arthritis have a very clearly defined mechanism that shows the link between the development of these diseases and the biomarkers that we measure for these diseases and abnormalities in the microbiota and the bacteria in our mouth. So they name the bacteria what they do and how they create these disease. For colorectal cancer, they can name the bacteria, the metabolite that goes into the cells, into the um, enterocytes in the colon, changes that DNA and turns on cancer. For rheumatoid arthritis, they can name the bacteria that creates a metabolite that goes to our body and turns on an autoimmune process. And that is what we actually measure in our blood to tell you whether you have rheumatoid or not. And they can make that connection. There are very clear mechanisms tying this, our microbiome to these disease states. Um, And IBD and some other uh, diseases, not just IBD, but the oral bacteria that are found, they find certain oral bacteria that are typically located only in the mouth. They're finding them in stool and they're finding them at a in a way like in an um ratio that is not found in healthy non-ivd patients okay so there's an implication in our the health of our oral bacteria and the development of things like inflammatory bowel disease or RVD. In 2019, there was an association between periodontitis and cognitive decline in Alzheimer's disease. So the proposing, they proposed a pathway where the bacteria actually somehow seed and set up shop in the brain and then lead to cognitive decline and neurodegeneration from that point. So clearly, <laughs> there's a pretty powerful link between the bacteria that live. On us, on our bodies, with our bodies, and the development of serious diseases, chronic diseases, deadly diseases. Okay. So, what do we need to do with this information in order to optimize our health? So, we need to think about the things we need to feed our body and the things we need to avoid. Okay. So, think about what you're feeding your body. What are you feeding? You know, I always say, like, you need to eat like a human being's meant to eat. If you're putting something in your mouth that was not available to human beings 10,000 years ago, your biology is not substantially different today than it was 10,000 years ago. You probably need to seriously think about whether you need to be eating that because biologically, it probably does not align with your, what you need. Okay. So think about what you're feeding your body, but also think about what you're feeding your bacteria. If you are only feeding one type of food, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. If you're only feeding one type of food, you're only going to get one type of bacteria. You need to have a lot of different foods in your body in order to feed all of the diverse things that are on your body, okay? The foods that you're, or are all the diverse bacteria that are on your body that need, you need them to help you out. So think about what you're feeding your body. Think about what you're feeding bacteria. Feed a variety of foods to your body and your bacteria. Feed fermented foods to your body. What do I mean by fermented foods? Fermented foods are things like kimchi and sauerkraut and kombucha that's the other one um yogurts are fermented and they're a good source but recognize if you're feeding sugary yogurt to your cells, you might as well not be eating it because the sugar undoes all the benefit of the fermented food don't eat that um, so feeding fermented food to your body, beer doesn't count because again, you're feeding it with alcohol. And if you remember correctly, alcohol is a hand sanitizer. So it's probably going to knock out all the good bacteria that you're trying to feed your gut. Right? So fermented foods are really important. I think they're hard to get a taste for. Sometimes I grew up with sauerkraut and I can eat it raw. I love it. I do eat it raw and it grosses everybody in my household out, whatever. I'm okay with that. Um, I love sauerkraut. If you can find one thing that you love, man, run with it because it's good for you. Um, I have started doing kombucha, so I brew kombucha in my house. I have a current baby scoby that I'm I'm building up. So if somebody wants some scoby, you let me know, and I'll see how I get your scoby shipped to you. I'll ship you a scoby. Scoby is the bacterial layer that ferments the carbohydrate. I do make my kombucha only with honey. You know, I don't like sugar in my life, so. Um, I make my kombucha with honey. That's the carbohydrate that I feed it. And then I also usually use some fruit if I'm going to feed it a little bit more. I'm doing all sorts of experimentation with taste and the type of teas that I use. I do make sure I use organic teas and high quality stuff. So it's kind of the nice thing about learning to do your own is you get to be totally in control about what goes into it and what doesn't. But fermented foods really important. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, feed fiber to your body. We talk about fiber and how important it is. And I've heard people go into this very elaborate description of how fiber forms this network over our gut to protect it. And I'm sure that really happens. I don't doubt it. I'm not arguing that that's real. Fiber feeds your bacteria. Your bacteria primarily in your gut is primarily eating the fiber that you eat. And if you're not eating any fiber, if you're getting the average amount of fiber that an American gets somewhere between 15 and 25 grams a day, you really need to be getting closer to like 70 grams a day. Are you getting that? And if you're not, you're not feeding your bacteria in your gut very well. So fiber, feed your body fiber, that feed your bacteria fiber. What do we avoid? So we need to avoid all sorts of things. I mean, with COVID, we've all started using hand sanitizer. I still work in a clinic multiple times. I mean, like multiple different clinics. I'm com- I've am i got hand sanitizers in all my cars. I do my hands, I do my stethoscope, but like I, I'm not in love with that, right? The hand sanitizer is killing off not just COVID or not just a bacteria you want to avoid. The hand sanitizers are killing off all sorts of things. They put antibacterial stuff in the hand sanitizers. They put it in our soaps. They put it in everything. They put antibiotics in our meat. So if you're not getting antibiotic-free meat, there is a risk you're getting antibiotics in your meat and you're sending that down to your gut. You're killing off all your bacteria there. Um, In addition, human beings are narrowing their food sourcing. So there's a great book, um, Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma. He talks about this. Great book. But it talks about how we narrow, like the U.S. farmer used to make a variety of different things because we've subsidized farmers. They now make soybean and corn and essentially that's soybean, corn and wheat. And essentially that's the primary crop that's grown in America, those three. So we've narrowed from being these omnivores that eat all these different things to three different things. When we're only eating things that are sourced from three different plants, we're only feeding a small portion of the number of bacteria that can live in our gut and our body. Okay. So that's creating that dysbiosis, that narrowing of the variety in our body. So recognize you need to feed multiple different kinds of foods. The food we eat really, 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 (laughs) really matters Humans living in modern times, like we have different bacteria than we did before. So a great example of this is in the early 1900s, xanthan gum was uh, approved by the FDA as a food additive to thicken things, essentially is what it does. I'm sure they use it for all sorts of things, but xanthan gum primarily was used as a thickener in food. And it was, you know, studied through the FDA and approved through the FDA in the early 1900s. And when they did their studies, they are like, oh, we don't even have the microbes to, like, we can't even break this stuff down. We don't break it down. So it's non-caloric. We don't have to count the calories in xanthan gum because we don't even have a way of breaking it down. So we just, we can just act like it didn't happen. (laughs) Put all the xanthan gum you want to into foods. And they did. And we don't have to count it as calories. Interestingly, over the last 15, 20 years, we have found in our human, our modern human gut microbiome. They've actually done a recent um, micro, they've like genetically identified all the microbiome. They've like, they used, like they did the human genome project. Project. They did the same thing with the human microbiome project. Um, and they identified that we now have a new bacteria that we did not have before that actually breaks down zinc and gum into carbohydrates that our body then absorbs and uses as energy, calories. And the interesting thing is this microbiome, this microbe, this uh, this bacteria is not found in third world countries and the guts and the microbiome in people of third world countries. This is something that is only in modern Western civilizations. So um, the food that we eat really does matter. The food that we feed ourselves is changing our bodies. In a way that we, I mean, I don't even think that we can understand. Um, These studies are starting to really illuminate a lot of the ways that the food that we are eating is negatively impacting our bodies. And that's why, what do I eat? I get it. I get it. I'm like constantly like, well, what do I eat? Right? You know, I'm making everything at home because I don't want to eat the stuff that people put into foods. And again, I will offer you a simple philosophy. If this food was available 10,000 years ago, it's probably fine to eat. If it was not available 10,000 years ago, it's probably not food you need to be eating regularly, okay? So we need to stop eating foods that are killing off that microbiome. That's the other thing that we need to do, right? Like, so we need to avoid offenders. We need to avoid hand sanitizers. We need to avoid antibiotics. We need to broaden the types of food that we eat because narrowing it offends that microbiome. We also need to stop eating foods that have non-food additives in it that are killing off our microbiome. So artificial foods, right? Anything that comes from a box, or wrapper, or a bag, emulsifiers, big culprit. Emulsifiers definitely um, negatively impact the gut microbiome. This has been proven multiple times. then stay away from them. I believe that they are emulsifiers. then are emulsifiers. Um, sometimes these foods are d- listed out differently. Um, thins can be derived from all sorts of plant source, sunflower, soybean, all sorts of plant sources. Stay away from those. Artificial sweeteners um, can negatively impact our gut microbiome and can feed bad, like they can overfeed unhealthy you know, bacteria that would overgrow. So the more you feed it, the more it grows. If it overgrows, it can suddenly become a problem. Okay. So a little bit's probably fine. A few marigolds in the garden is probably fine. A garden full of marigolds, it seems like the marigolds are weed, right? So it's kind of the same thing. Like some of a certain bacteria can be fine, but if we've only fed it and it takes over our gut microbiome, that's a problem. And we see that with artificial sweeteners, Alcohol, remember alcohol is what we use on our hands as hand sanitizer. It's not only sanitizing our hands when we drink it in the form of wine and beer, it's also sanitizing our gut. Occasionally, is it okay? Probably. If you're drinking a few every day, that's probably too much. It's probably sanitizing out your gut. Um, Artificial thing, artificial foods have things in it that aren't really meant for us as human beings to eat. And they are killing, I mean, like they're creating metabolic disease, but in addition, they are knocking out these bacteria, these healthy bacteria that live on on our bodies. So improve the things you feed your body. Stop offending the things or stop eating offensive things that kill off our microbiome. All right, I hope that you found this helpful. I know this was a lot of science. Please if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm always happy to answer anything. Um like the YouTube channel or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're finding benefit from this, leave me a podcast rating. That helps other people hear about this. The more ratings that I get, the more thumbs up that I get, the more likes, the more five star reviews, the more that this is helping you and you let others know the more that these algorithms promote this information for other people, the more other people are going to hear the same message that you can live a naturally healthy life. If that is something that you found horribly beneficial, please throw a shout out so other people can hear this. I hope this was helpful. You have any questions, holler at me. If you are interested in working in my program, if you are interested in the Delaney and D program, please reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD. MD. We will set up a time. We'll have a consult. You'll see what my program's about, see how it will work for you. We'll get you started. If that's something that you think would be helpful again, you know, the end of the year is coming. You could still reverse your diabetes in 2022 and start 2023 diabetes free. If that's something you're interested in, that is something I can help you with. I hope this was helpful. I will be back next week. Bye-bye.